Good morning everyone. From my bubble to yours, welcome to the second online service. It's wonderful to think that we can all be together during this time. I'm going to start the service by lighting a candle. Just a symbol of the fact that we know the light. Despite the fact that it might be very dark outside at the moment. Just a couple of things from my side. The Easter services are still going on. Monday, Thursday at 7 p.m. there will be a service. Good Friday at 10 a.m. there will be a service. Easter Sunday, 10 a.m. a service and they will all be online. They will all be on the website ready for you to watch at those times. So please join us and, and let's still be together during Easter. Then to everyone who wished me a happy birthday during this week, thank you so much. <laughs> Oh, thank you. It was a lovely day despite the isolation and I hope everyone, who, everyone else who had a birthday had a good day. If you are having a birthday during this week, please let me know so we can wish you a happy birthday and make the aloneness not so alone. To everyone who watched the service last week and sent me an email or even sent me a picture of where you were and how your bubble looked during the service, thank you. It was lovely seeing all your faces. Behold, your king comes to you. He is just. He brings salvation. He brings peace. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's pray. Jesus, you set your face towards Jerusalem and walked alongside those who suffer. Be our vision, that we too may walk the way of compassion and extend a hand to those we meet. Lord, you stop to heal the sick and tend to those broken in body, mind or spirit. Be our vision, that we too can be a source of healing to all in need of your grace. Jesus, you took the time to pray and to be silent. Be our vision that through our prayers, meditation and reflection, we may draw closer to you and find our way on this journey of faith. Lord, you enter Jerusalem with peace in your heart. Be our vision that we too can live as people of peace in the face of the world's many conflicts. May we hold your vision of justice and peace ever before us. Bless us, O blessed one, as we enter into the days ahead of us, we will need your power and presence to sustain us as we move through these difficult days together. Spirit of love and life, stay close. These and all the prayers of our hearts we offer in faith as we pray the way you taught us to pray, our Father which art in heaven.
Good morning, children. I'm going to have a few minutes to talk to you now. I am wondering how it's going with you guys. I'm, I'm wondering how you are managing in this time. It must feel quite weird being in the house the whole time and seeing your parents so often, not being able to see your friends and not being able to go to school or go do something nice. It must feel like there, there are a lot of things you can't do at the moment. And so I want to help you and give you something that you can do. I don't know if you've seen the video that I make during the week about how to make a cross out of palm leaves or out of a piece of paper. Christians have for a very long time taken palm leaves and made crosses out of them as a, as a symbol of what they believe in. To show how they think and how they feel and that they believe that Jesus came to earth to, to be the Messiah. And so on Palm Sunday, people all around the world make crosses out of palm leaves. And it's not that difficult. I'm going to show you how to do it. If you don't have a palm tree in your house, at your house, get a piece of paper. Then you go like this. Then you go like this. And like this. Don't worry, I did send a tutorial that will help. Hopefully your cross will look a little bit better than mine. Do this, make one of these, and then put them in your windows next to a teddy bear, which you've hopefully put out for people to count when they walk past your house. Put this next to the teddy bear, so that when people walk past your house, they will see this too, and they will know people living in this house believe that Jesus came for us. Okay. We are now going to listen to a poem by Mary Oliver, read to us by Georgina. This is a poem by Mary Oliver. The poet thinks about the donkey. On the outskirts of Jerusalem, the donkey waited, not especially brave or filled with understanding. He stood and waited. How horses turned out into meadow leap with delight. How doves released from their cages clatter away splashed with sunlight. But the donkey tied to a tree, as usual, waited. Then he let himself be led away. Then he let the stranger mount. Never had he seen such crowds. And I wonder if he at all imagined what was to happen. Still, he was what he had always been. Small, dark, obedient. I hope, finally, he felt brave. I hope, finally, he loved the man who rode so lightly upon him. As he lifted one dusty hoof and stepped, as he had to, forward. Thanks, Georgie. Today we are going to read together out of Mark 11, verse 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a donkey tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you why you're doing this, say, the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found the donkey outside in the street, tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, why, what are you doing, untying the donkey? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the donkey to Jesus and untied the cloaks over it, 
he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in their fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. How wonderful it is to read the word of the Lord. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday. Today, all around the world, people are celebrating Palm Sunday. If it wasn't for the virus that's spreading all around the world, there would have been an estimated 400,000 people on their way to Jerusalem for the Palm Sunday procession. People from all traditions and cultures from all around the world gather in Jerusalem to walk the road that is seen as the same as Jesus walked on this day the week before Easter. The march takes place from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. So, as I've said, and as you might know, Palm Sunday is the beginning of the Holy Week, the great week of suffering. It is now the start of Holy Week and therefore seven days until we reach Easter. And though today kicks off the week of suffering, the hardest, darkest week, we must realize that today happens on a different so why this day? Throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, he lived in a variety of places. We, we know that he moved around a lot. We know that he didn't have a permanent home. And so on this day, when he enters into Jerusalem, it's for a lot of people as if he is coming home. Those who believed, those who've hoped, who've heard that Jesus might just be the Messiah, who are very excited about this fact, now see him entering Jerusalem and they know he is making this place even more holy. Because Jerusalem already is one of the holiest places ever. Why? Because of the fact that the temple is situated there. We must, we must realize that for a lot of people, for a long time and still today, Jerusalem is as holy as places can get. The temple is the house of God. It's not just a place of worship. The temple in Jerusalem is the place. And people, especially in, in those days, they believed that God lived there. For them, the temple was as a palace is for a king. And so for the Jews, there is one holy place. There is one temple for their one God. And within this temple, there's an even holier place lined with gold, with a scent you can smell in the air, to represent this holiness that came to earth. That heaven came to earth. The divine presence of the heavenly Lord is, is not separate. In that place, the kingdom is there. The holiness is there. 
And so, of course, for Jesus, being a Jew, the temple was also something really important. He had very high regard for it. And that's why when he comes, he comes to the same holy place to bring heaven to earth. He's bringing his own divine presence to a place. He himself makes the here and the now holy, divine. And that's what so many people have been waiting for, hoping for, praying for. Someone sent by God to bring them peace and hope, future. A king, a ruler that would help them and guide them and protect them. And so we see so many people participating in this procession where Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. The one who brings salvation and peace and hope and they welcome this cheerfully. But what is very interesting is, as the ancient traditions tells us, as ancient custom and history teaches us, that wasn't the only procession that took place in Jerusalem on that day. On that day, in spring, just before Easter, there was another procession coming into Jerusalem from the other side of the town. So we have two processions. On the one side, we had people who believed that the prophecy in Zechariah 9, verse 9 to 10, has come true. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. And the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The crowd stood with palm trees, with their clothes on the floor, to say that we believe this prophecy. The palm branches that they used is a sign of Jewish nationalism. They put this there to proclaim, we believe this is the royal one. The prophecy has come true. That's the one side. Then on the other side, we have another procession. Another group of people coming in to the city with Pontius Pilate. Pilate who represents the kingdom of the emperor. He doesn't live in Jerusalem. He stays in the beautiful comfortable new coastal town of Caesarea Maritima, as many Roman governors did before him. If you go to Caesarea Maritima today, you will still see the ruins of those palaces. You will still see the mosaic tiles on the floor and the tide pools where these governors spent their times. And so, he comes into Jerusalem for a big Jewish festival, accompanied by his army, on his way. And these two groups, they meet. One group under the banner of the governor, the emperor, the ruler, the ruler of the people at that time. And on the other side, a group 
people following someone who came from Nazareth riding on a donkey. And so Jesus' procession stands directly against the procession, the procession that happens on the other side of the city. Pilate's march is one of power and violence, a world-ruling government. Jesus embodies something totally different. A new outlook of peace and love. The entire book of Mark tells us this. The contrast between these two rulers. But obviously it's not only in Mark that we get this contrast. It's the history of Christendom. And so we see these two marches happening together. We see the differences between them. The kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven. Marches is not an uncommon occurrence. I haven't been long enough in Wellington to say this for a fact, but I want to say that I think this lockdown has been the longest time for a march not happening in Wellington. People are forever taking a stand for something writing catchy slogans and things on cardboards, lifting it up above their heads to say, this is what I believe in, this is what I stand for, this is what I hate, this is what I want to change. And with the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, we see people taking a stand. Those who walked with Jesus on the one hand and those who supported the Romans on the other hand. The ones with Jesus, they threw their clothes on the floor before the donkey's feet. They took palm branches and held them in their hands to say, this is the king. We believe this is the promise that has come true. And therefore we have Palm Sunday. Therefore we have this march, this public testimony. But there's one big problem with this procession. So many people who stood there on this day, proclaiming, saying, this is what I stand for, this is what I believe, are the same people whose voices only lasted one week. Within a week, it all changed. Within a week, they said, he is not who we thought he was going to be. He's not going to do what we hoped he was going to do. He's not what we asked for, prayed for, hoped for. He's not what we need. And those same people who shouted, Hosanna, is the same people who only a week later will say, crucify him. We are looking for someone who's a little bit more like the Roman rulers. We are looking for a political leader. We are seeking a saviour from oppression and the fear of which we live with. I wonder how many times we have all sat around a dinner table or had a conversation with someone or just had thoughts in our heads about one specific thing and then changed our minds. I wonder how many times we've had these ideas and beliefs about who Jesus is, who God is, and then when God doesn't act soon enough or how we want to, we 
we change, we change our minds and our beliefs. How many times have, have we changed our convictions? We might all sing Hosanna today. Hosanna to the Lord that has delivered us, who comes to our country in these circumstances. But will our faith remain? Will we endure this week of suffering? What will we stand for when this week is over? Will we be able to stand with what we say and believe right through the procession into Jerusalem and through everything that is going to happen in Jerusalem? Because we are going to be, be conf confronted with a lot of things during this week. We are going to see Jesus turn around the table. And say, this is not how things are supposed to be. We're going to see how Jesus walks to a fig tree. How he looks at people and says, you aren't who you're supposed to be. You're not bearing any fruit. We are going to see how people say, I do not know him. We are going to get to Jerusalem and see the cross and everything that stands with that. The cross that says, I came for you. I love you. I also love for you. I became alive for you. Are you willing to stick to your side of the march when hard questions emerge during this week? When we go into another week of being alone, being physically distant from those we love and the things that we love. When we go into this week not knowing how many more numbers of infected people we will see. How the things that we hope for might not change, might not begin. We go into another week of not knowing what the future will bring. Of not knowing what our timetables will look like and, and when we will ever be able to make plans again. Will we still be able to say Hosanna? Are we going to be able to stay on our side of the Hosanna truly and fully? Today is the feast of people saying we believe this is the Messiah. We believe that he came for us. Stay confident in this belief. Stay confident in the fact that Jesus also came for us in this little country in the middle of the sea. Even though this week might be hard, even though you might suffer during this week, physically, mentally, spiritually, stay with this fact that Jesus is love, that he will not leave us, not forsake us. Stay with the Hosanna, that he is the Messiah, the one who came to save us and deliver us from all our fears, from all the fears that lives outside of this world at this moment. May we remain grateful for the fact that he came into our lives to say, I came for you, I lived for you, I died for you. And I will surely rise for you.
we are now going to do a reading and do our prayer for others. But I want you to all do it inside your own home. Nominate someone or do it yourself to, to do the reading that will be on your screens and to do your own prayer for others. Or just sit in the silence and read the scripture and pray silently for those around you. And then also, I have a few questions for you to, to ask those around you or to ask for those you are going to call after the service with your cuppa. So pause the video right now to do the scripture and the prayer for others and to answer these questions. What are you struggling with the most at this moment, in this time? Think about a time where you've changed your mind about something really important. And think about and talk about how that has impacted your life. The next question, do you realize how different this Holy Week will be? And what is the one belief about Jesus that you will not let go of? like to share something beautiful a friend of mine sent me during the week. She writes, in a week from now we will celebrate Easter. It is going to be a different Easter. Usually Easter is characterized by one of two things. It's either a pretty long weekend, the perfect opportunity to socialize and have a holiday, or it is a time where believers go to church at least two or three times during the weekend to celebrate this highlight of the church year. This year, however, neither of them will happen. We have this once in a lifetime opportunity to remember with numerous parts in the world, Easter 2020 as an extremely uncomfortable and challenging, yet very profound experience. Sumon Kid writes that we make the mistake of thinking that Easter is a 2000 year old event 
that has taken root in our Christian collective consciousness and is only dusted off once a year. Easter, in fact, is a verb, she writes. She refers to a poem with the words, let him Easter in us. Then she says, Easter is a verb. It is an action that goes on happening inside of us today. Julian of Norwich wrote that our wound becomes the womb. Transformation hinges in our ability to turn our pain, the tomb, into a fertile place where life is born, the womb. I learned that in transformation we must run away from the darkness, but must rather coax the Easter light inside of us. We turn the darkness of the tomb into the darkness of the womb by cupping our hands around the pulse of true life and helping it grow. For the first time ever, she writes, most of us will have a whole week to Easter, to open ourselves to whatever God wants to grow and give birth to in us in this time of uncertainty. Seize the moment and make this year's Easter a verb. Lord Jesus Christ, light of the world, Easter in me. And now as we follow the crowd, as it leads out to the cross and even more into the world of darkness, we cannot lose hope. Go with the words, because God is with us, he will be with us. Whatever happens, we are not alone.